One, prepare. We're not prepared. Check that off the list. Take Tuesday sober. Not happening. Welcome to the best kind of worst. No, no one fucking cares. Everyone cares. Who? I care. Dick suck. So there I am in the parking lot, underwear and a guinea. Hang out in the backseat of a 7-Eleven. It's an ammo! We might die. So you want to talk about those lesbians? We need a bay update. I slept on the fucking tires! Yeah, yeah, I tried to treat you right. But you stayed out, stayed out at night. Oh, baby, if you don't like Sam Cooke, do me a favor. You probably listen to this in your car. Pull, go to your nearest uh, Bass Pro Shop or Sporting Apparel clothing store, get yourself one of those vests without sleeves, get yourself a walking stick, get yourself a good pair of shoes, and take a fucking hike. Take a fucking hike. Oh, baby, it's uh, it's a Monday. Monday. We're in the month of May. May 20. Monday, May 20. I am all alone this week in the uh, B studio here. I got things running all over the screen. Don't know if I'm doing anything right. For all I know, it'll just be blank. You'll hear the intro, and then you won't hear anything else. Oh, last week uh, we said we'd do a double header. Never got around to it, because it's a bad purse. It's a bad purse. But we are back this week. And we're back on schedule. I'm by myself, like I said. Ole is out of the country traveling with Red Bull right now. Filming some people flying some shit through obstacles. Hopefully drinking a lot of Red Bull. Hoping he doesn't have to pay for it. Um, that'd be weird, right? Um, that was really loud. But yeah, he, uh, he flew into Madrid. He was in Spain for a little while. And then he went to... He's going to get so mad, because he's told me a thousand times, uh, Austria, and then I t- actually talked to him yesterday, and uh, they're having like a little travel snafu, a scheduling snafu with one of the pilots, so he had no idea where he was going to be today, but he had a flight today somewhere, just not knowing where. He told me it could he could be headed back to Spain, could be going to Arizona. It's real different. But yeah, we have a big episode here today, because we're back on our current events, back on our normal stick. <sighs> so I guess we should jump into it. We haven't done any current events in about two weeks. Um, oh, what's going on in my week? Nothing. Um, studying. That's about it. And uh, trying to get all them vlogs that I had stored away, finished up. I got one vlog coming out probably tomorrow, and then hopefully on Wednesday we'll get the wedding vlog, wedding weekend vlog out. I was drinking the microphone. It's disrespectful. Um, But yeah, the wedding vlog should be out by about Wednesday. 
And uh, maybe Oli will be back next week. <clears throat> maybe not. Maybe I'll do this again by myself. Maybe I'll get someone to come help me out with it. Who knows? Uh, yeah, I don't think I've really done anything exciting this week, honestly. Nope. Oh, man, so let's just jump into some stuff that's been going around the world. Some of this is going to be a little old, and then we'll progressively get closer in chronological order to what's going on in the present day. Um, quick shout-out, and it's kind of a sad shout-out, but shout-out to a young kid who uh, risked his life for a bunch of other students. Uh, I'm referring to the STEM Highland Ranch high school shooting that happened about 10 days ago, 11 days ago. Um, school shootings are always super unfortunate. I wish they didn't occur. I wish they didn't happen. But... Um, <clears throat> Student Kendrick Castillo, 18, he uh, he was subsequently killed in the shooting um, because he attacked the assailant. Um, he is uh, what you would call an actual representation of a hero. Eight students were, uh, were subsequently shot during the shooting, but only one succumbed to those injuries, and that was Mr. Castillo. Our thoughts and our prayers are with his family. Um, like I said, that's a, that's an actual representation of a hero. And of course, unfortunately, this, whenever there's a mass shooting and it involves children, it becomes a political debate about gun laws and gun control. And the reality is, is, um, the two shooters, 118, 116, um, they obtain those guns illegally, so there's not, uh, you know, gun reform doesn't help that. Gun reform doesn't help when people obtain things illegally, any kind of reform. There's no reform that helps when people are just doing things illegally. They had a vigil for uh, Kendra Castillo, and the school decided to invite Moms Demand Action's Laura Reeves. Moms Demand Action, I guess, is a nonprofit. Uh, I'm assuming they're anti-gun. That's my assumption. If I'm wrong, you can yell at me. Uh, Moms Demand Action's Laura Reeves. Uh, instead of making this vigil about a hero, Laura decided to turn this into a, uh, a soapbox political seminar I have some quotes from some people that were there at the vigil we have become paralyzed by the NRA we did not hold our elected officials accountable as they were loosening the sensible gun regulations that were keeping us safe Instead, we choose to burden our youth with the responsibility of saving their own lives. We forced all of you to learn in an environment that are more closely resembling a prison than a school. We robbed you of your innocence. We would do... Why would we do this to our own children? The very pathetic truth is that we took this route because it seemed easier than confronting the actual root of the cause, gun violence issues. For this, I'm truly and deeply sorry.
I'm proud of the students at this vigil, the students of uh, Highland Ranch at this moment, or, you know, at some moments around this, they decided to stage a walkout. If you're going to hold a vigil, if you're going to hold a, a vigil, Jesus, I sound like B-Shob fucking up words. If you're going to hold a vigil, oh, there I go again. If you're going to hold a vigil for a modern day hero who saved lives of other children. Now, granted, he shouldn't have been in that place either way. And she is right on one aspect. We shouldn't burden our children with having to save the lives of one another. I'll meet you there. I got no problem with that statement. But the reality is, when you hold a vigil, you honor this student, you honor this child, you honor this person. And you're not doing that when you turn this into a political diatribe. You're not doing that. Now these students begin staging a walkout and begin chanting mental health. And I think that is one of the most important things that I've seen in the news that has really not been covered. I saw an article in the New York Times about how one of the shooters was this really nice kid saying on his YouTube channel and his Instagram, no mention of mental health. I saw countless articles without mentioning mental health. And the reality is, and I won't say the names of these children, but the younger assailant was a female transitioning to be a male. Their Twitter account was littered with what I would describe as cries of help. Now, in this day of social media, it is very difficult to differentiate when someone's being satirical or when they're being actual or... It's difficult sometimes. But, I have some of the tweets here. These are, these are, this is a 16-year-old kid tweeting these things out. This is a cries for help. This is someone that needs help. Your boy is finally getting clean, like the MF dishes I just did. Referring to potentially getting sober. Hashtag sober gang. Fuck STEM kids, I swear to fucking God. That was another tweet. I wish I had a GF. G stands for gun, F for the purpose of shooting myself. Now there's a fine line between satire and being actual. And, I th and for me, one of the staunch lines is when somebody says online that they're going to hurt themselves, that they're going to kill themselves, or they have any intention to harm a person or a group of people. I don't think there is any room for that on social media or anywhere on the internet. I do not believe in that. I do not talk out against Twitter or any other social media website that bans someone for inciting acts of violence or for suspending their account for saying they're, you know, any kind of acts of violence. I don't think there's any room for that. But when someone says they're going to kill themselves, this person needs some help. 
my mom talking to me about how she hates the new, and he ends it with his name. A week before the shooting, he wrote on Twitter, when you're putting yourself in life-threatening danger, kiss face emoji. In Colorado, I believe the school's in Colorado, the style of gun that they used, you had to be 21 years old to obtain. One shooter was 18, one was 16. These guns were obtained absolutely, unequivocally, illegally. There is no, and I say this again, there is no reform that will help that. It looks like the younger kid's father also has been deported twice and been in jail a couple of times prison once for 15 months doesn't look like he grew up in the greatest of situations and that's me basing on what I read and what facts I know have come out I don't even know what I'm trying to say at the moment because I get angry when I hear things like this when I see things like this this poor kid Kendrick Castillo should be he should have been given a proper vigil and not some bullshit one where they let a leftist come in and talk about how we need to gun reform. Understand, leftists and gun reform, they're just, they're just saying they want to repeal the Second Amendment. Let's just be honest. You want to know what real reform is, and this is my segue to real reform, is the state of Florida. I'm not always very proud of my state. I love the state of Florida unequivocally, but I'm not always so proud of... Some of the shit that happens here, but we expanded the guardian, uh, guardian program, which subsequently will allow teachers to carry guns in the classroom during school hours. These teachers have to apply, and they're, then they're selected, and then there's a bunch of stuff they have to go through, and I'll read the actual law to you in a second. Um, but that's reform. That's what reform really looks like. Allowing the teacher in any kind of violent situation, in any kind of gun-related violent situation, to subdue the assailant. There's no quicker way of stopping a school shooting. We can put armed guards outside. We saw that with Stoneman Douglas. It didn't work because Miami, the, the, the armed sheriff's officer, decided not to go in. And then Miami-Dade told everyone to stand down while this kid went berserk inside of a school. Does it work? Some of the times, I unequivocally, absolutely. Having an armed guard there, having anyone armed at standing there, I think that helps at all. I think that helps. But there are times when it fails, and it did fail at Stoneman Douglas. I think this is a great, great piece of reform for the state of Florida, and I hope other states follow suit. Now, in this new expanded Guardian program, teachers must apply to their districts, and then they're selected. They must complete 132 hours of comprehensive firearm safety and proficiency training conducted by criminal justice standards and training commission certified instructors 
instructors, which must include eight hours of firearm instructions based on criminal justice standards and training commissions, law enforcement academy training model, which means that they're being trained as on the same level as police and sheriff departments, which must include at least 10%, but no more than 20% more rounds fired than associated with academy training. So they're going to, uh, their firearm training includes 10%, but no more than 20% more rounds fired than you would at a standard uh, private or trade academy training program to get your concealed carry here in the state of Florida. Program participants must achieve an 85% pass rate on firearm training. Um, I believe elite level for uh, Army, Air Force, and Navy, Marines is 90. Marines is probably a little higher. 16 hours of instructions in precision pistol, eight hours of discretionary shooting instructions, eight hours of instructions in active shooter or assailant scenarios, eight hours of instructions in defense tactics, 12 hours of instructions in legal justice. And the most important ones for me is they must also pass a psychological evaluation administered by a psychologist licensed under Chapter 409 I'm sorry, 490, and designated by the Department of Law Enforcement and submitted the results of the evaluation to the sheriff's office. They must submit to and pass an initial drug screening and subsequent random drug tests in accordance with the requirements of the sheriff's office, successfully complete ongoing training, weapons inspections, and firearm qualifications on at least an annual basis, successfully complete at least 12 hours of certified nationally recognized diversity training program. Those are the, I mean, all the training and all the shooting and all the standardized police and sheriff's officer training is great. That's all great. Uh, I don't think anybody should ever carry in a classroom that hasn't been through a rigorous training schedule like that. Um, but the for me, the biggest points, and I know I talked to, Oli and I talked about this uh, during the wedding weekend, was the psychological examinations and constant and randomized drug testing. Um, my only gripe with this with this expanded program as it states is I would like the psychological evaluations to happen at either a by um, uh, um, uh, uh, every six to 12 months, continuously as long as they're in the program. Because you're, you're you know, you, you have the, every person, you, know, you go through a bad breakup, you go through, you fall in hard times. You know, unfortunately, teachers are not, and this is beyond wrong, but they're not paid a whole lot. You fall in some financial hard, hardships. You start to lose grip with reality, and the next thing you know, you're the assailant. Also with this, um, I do believe that there should be some sort of compensation for, for, for being in this program. I think teachers across the board disrespectful. I think a teacher across the board should be paid a lot higher than what they are, especially at the elementary school level um, and the high school level. <clears throat> but I do, I do believe if you're going to put yourself on the line and carry a gun and have to potentially harm a child that you normally would not want to harm regardless of the situation, I believe you should be at least compensated a little bit on the backside that way. 
I don't think it, I don't know if it helps, but, you know. It's a big, it's a big undertaking for a person. So I'm, I'm proud of the state of Florida. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's, that's what reform looks like. Not this leftist version of reform where we're basically just going to repeal the Second Amendment. Also with the Guardian program, uh, at the same time, uh, Florida upped the age to purchase a rifle. And you have to be 21 now. And also, they implemented a three-day hold on all, on all, universally, on all firearm purchases. So, I think it was a win-win for both sides. Uh, I just, that, 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 that's a, it's a great piece of reform. That's reform. I, I, I know I keep saying it, and you're probably tired of hearing it, but that's reform. That's how you make a difference. The CDC did it did a, a study, the Center for Disease and Control did a study, and they said that defensive use of firearms, on average, every year saves anywhere between 500,000 to 3 million lives. It's an empirical piece of data. This is hard data. This is a way to save lives. It's just never reported on. It happens all the time in the state of Florida, and it's just never reported on. And it's unfortunate, because heaven forbid we show you that owning a gun serves a fucking purpose. Heaven forbid we do that. And I know, I'm doing exactly what I didn't want Miss Laura Reeves did. I turned, I, I segued this into a little political thing. But at least... I honored him in the beginning, and I'll honor him again. It's a bad purse. Yeah, we got to stop the school shootings. I always thought that, like, you know, when I saw schools growing up with uh, metal detectors and all that, I was like, man, that's, I don't know about all that. Why? Well, it's 2019. Not asking why anymore. Um, with the Guardian law, I, I just want to point out, I, the New York Times, man, they were one of my, uh, about up until about four or five months ago, they were always in my circulation of reading, and now I don't know if I can read them anymore. Florida to let teachers, uh, this is the title of their article, Florida to let teachers carry guns, will black students pay the price? Eh, should, you should be ashamed. You should be ashamed of yourself. You should absolutely, unequivocally, be ashamed of yourself. Who wrote this damn article? <clears throat> Patricia Mazzi. Oh, a young little white lady from Miami. Oh, maybe she's Hispanic. She covers Cuban and Puerto Rican stuff. Huh. Yeah, she's Hispanic. You, you should be ashamed of yourself. You and the New York Times. That's just a divisive article. That's such a divisive article. How can we jump to conclusions that a bunch of, bunch of teachers are just going to blatantly shoot a black kid? And I read the article. That's exactly what she was trying to convey. I read the entire fucking article. I hated reading it, but I wanted to make sure before I said anything that... Her title reflected exactly what I thought, and it did. She was trying to make the connection that because teachers are 
authority figures will now carry guns that they're going to automatically just shoot black kids. And, and, and in one point, she referenced Hispanic kids as well. You should be ashamed. This is the kind of divisiveness that we don't need in this country. We don't need articles like this. Teachers are going to volunteer to do this. They're going to volunteer to carry a gun, and they're going to volunteer to do what most people could never do, and that's potentially have to shoot a child. Outside of a murderer and a horrible person, no one wants to ever have to shoot a child, regardless of the situation. You should be ashamed. A terrible, terrible piece of quote-unquote journalism. Pat yourself on the back, stupid bitch. And I'm Cuban. So... I don't know why I said that. I don't know why that makes a difference. Oh, man. Well, let's just keep on with the horrificness. Um, Alabama and Georgia have been all over the news this week for their abortion laws that they're passing. Georgia kick things off with what is known as the uh, let me look at my note here real quick Georgia kicked things off with what is known as the fetal heartbeat bill that forbids doctors from performing abortions once a heartbeat is seen now as I've stated here before uh, in all medical textbooks a heartbeat will be detected will be heard heard around the 28th day so that's about four weeks it will be seen on an ultrasound at about the sixth week. That is universally recognized in most medical textbooks. So this would mean that abortions past the sixth week would essentially be illegal. Alabama followed suit essentially abolishing abortion with the only caveat being if there is imminent harm or danger to the life of the mother. Also, third-party abortionists could force could face life in prison if caught doing these types of procedures. Now, uh, I kind of sit in the middle with the abortion laws. <clears throat> I do not believe in the leftist agenda of abortion all the way up into conception delivery. Most of the leftists that are running for president in the 2020 election are pro-abortion up until delivery. And I think that is just unequivocally wrong. I think that's murder. I know people get mad at me for saying that, but that's, that's, just, that's just how I feel, and I'm sorry for that. Conversely, I believe abortion should be allowed. I don't believe in abolishing abortion. I think Alabama's completely wrong on this one. And then when Georgia restricts it essentially basically only to about the sixth week, 
I think they're wrong again here too. Um, because I know countless women that have missed a, pre uh, a period and not known they were pregnant and they go, you know, into the two month, two and a half month range. They had no idea they were pregnant. I think uh, capping it at six weeks is going to impact those women that just don't realize they're pregnant. I don't believe in using abortion as a form of contraception, and that's essentially what the left is trying to push. But I also believe that women should have the choice to end a pregnancy if they feel that, one, they do not have a capacity to take care of this kid. They don't want this child. Um, they're too young. They were a victim of a crime. It's a very hairy subject that most people, you know, up until about, what well, I'd say about two years ago, most people would just avoid talking about. Now it's, it's probably going to be, what, the, one of the top three topics for this coming election. And don't 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 and don't get this wrong. This is Alabama and Georgia combating the crazy of the left. Oh, you want to legalize abortion all the way up until delivery? Cool. Well, we're going to restrict it. We're going to go the opposite route. And I don't think that's ever a good idea. I don't think you I don't think you fight crazy with crazy. I don't think that's how you do that. But you know, and then you got the the leftists that are just going berserk about it. Um, Westworld's Evan Rachel Wood, dime piece, responds to Georgia abortion law, stating men should get mandatory vasectomies. Well, now you've just now you've just equated abortion to a form of contraception because that's exactly what a vasectomy is. A vasectomy is a form of contraception. That's it. It's permanent contraception for a man. Abortion should not be put in that category at all. At all, in my opinion. Uh, others others will, will, will say otherwise. I think Alyssa Milano was saying, um, you know, we should, the women should go on a sex strike. Well, you're just... Women going on a sex strike just proves that they have control, some control over their body. You seem to think that they don't. So you're kind of just, kind of just fucking yourself, crazy bitch. But yeah, I, I, I the Alabama's complete abolish, abolishment of it, I think, is absolutely wrong, unequivocally wrong, and I think they should be ashamed of themselves for doing something like that. Like I said, you don't fight crazy with crazy. Uh, Georgia's sixth fetal heartbeat bill. I think six weeks is just too early for me to be on board with that at all. If they if they gave it to the first trimester, I might I might I might be all right with it. I think that's that's uh, Oli and I have talked about this a few weeks ago. That's 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 our general numbers the first trimester. But then you got crazy ass Jim Carrey. Literally drawing a photo. He likes to draw photos. He, you know, he's become like an artist now. And he's very, very, he's full on for socialism. He's a fucking idiot when it comes to this shit. I can't stand, he was 
you know, I, I talked about this about a month ago. He's on Bill Maurer, and he just put his feet on the desk talking about how he loves being in New York for a couple of days. He bought these expensive Nike shoes and then goes on for 10 minutes talking about how socialism is the only way of saving the country. Sweethearts, capitalism is the reason why you have, you've amassed the fortune that you have, and capitalism is also the reason why you can go buy those Nike shoes. If you lived in a socialistic society, you couldn't buy those things. So, you know, look in the mirror. Don't be so stupid. Don't make it so easy. Don't make it so easy to just disregard everything you say. But he painted a, he painted a, 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 painted a piece or an art, I don't know what you call it, whatever. He painted a picture. He always posts them to Twitter and in the caption, it's, um, it's the governor of Alabama is what I, what I, what I assume. It's the governor of Alabama with, it looks like, uh, some gloves on the right. I'm sorry, the left. It looks like a, a hand with gloves on. And it looks like a vacuum sucking the head, and it's a baby. The governor's the, the head of the governor is, is a, an adult head, but the body's a fetus. And it says, I think if you're going to terminate a pregnancy, it should be done sometime before the fetus becomes governor of Alabama. It's not funny. I know you're a comedian. I know you meant this. This is, this is you. This is, this is the person that you are. You, you meant every word of this, and I don't think that's funny. I don't think people understand what, a, what, a, what, a, what an abortion at a delivery looks like. I don't think they understand what that entails. What happens is the abortionist uses a large needle to inject a drug called digoxin. The drug is injected either into the baby's head, torso, or directly into their heart. The needle goes through the mom's abdomen and into the baby. If this occurs late in the pregnancy, the baby will feel every bit of this. A hundred percent. Their nervous system is near completion. They will 100% feel the pain of this needle and the pain of this drug running through their body. Dr. Anthony Leventino notes that babies in the third trimester are, quote, almost fully developed and viable, meaning he or she could survive outside the womb if the mother were to go into labor prematurely. I was six weeks premature. We can deliver babies as early as 24 weeks if need be. Uh, before that, it gets real dicey. 24 weeks is still super dicey, but we have developed a standard procedure that has a decent enough outcome where it, although is not common practice, can be utilized. This procedure takes about three or four days on day one, they inject digoxin. After the mother's cervix is open with sticks of seaweed called laminum and iron. Oh. They have to open the cervix and then she's induced into labor and then she has to give birth to this dead baby. 
the sticks of seaweed called laminaria uh, is to dilate her cervix. This article's written like shit. While the woman waits for the laminaria to dilate the cervix, she carries her dead baby inside of her for about two to three days. On day two, the abortionist replaces the laminaria and may perform a second ultrasound to ensure the baby is, in fact, dead. If the child is still alive, he will administer another lethal dose of digoxin. If the woman cannot make it to the clinic to give birth to the dead child, she might be advised to give birth to the child in the toilet. And if the full fetus does not come out, then a DNC would be initiated. That's what, that, that, that is what a late-term, third-trimester abortion looks like. And I'm sorry for those of you, I probably should have made a disclaimer. For those of you that didn't want to hear something as gruesome as that, but that's the reality. And that's the reality. And that's what the left is trying to push. So what does the right do? The right says, well, we'll just abolish it. You don't fight crazy with crazy. Both you idiots are wrong. But, you know, heaven forbid anyone ever comes to the middle ground. It's going to continue to play out. We're going to be talking about this next year. We're going to be talking about this uh, all the way through the election. So you're going to see more of these conservative states. Okay, fuck it. We're going to start repealing these laws. And that's unfortunate. And that is unfortunate. It's in, a dire- in my opinion, it's a direct response to these three, these third trimester abortions, trying to, these states trying to legalize that. I know New York and um, West Virginia have legalized them. Some form of them. <clears throat> Go look at the creepy governor, the KKK governor from Virginia. And listen to how he talks about late-term abortions on YouTube. It will give you a fucking nightmare. Uh, I guess we'll stay on politics. Um, Iran. Iran posted some 9-11 shit. They were taunting us with 9-11 stuff. Top Iranian officials touted the Trump administration with 9-11 imagery Saturday, making a cruel reference to the attacks on the 2001 World Trade Center, the New York Post has reported. Quote, the U.S. political system has an apparent huge body but suffers from osteoporosis, so said the Revolutionary Guard head General Hussan Salami told the Fars News Agency. In fact, quote, in fact, the U.S. is like the World Trade, the World Trade Building that collapsed with a sudden hit. Huh. It seems like tensions are flaring between us and Iran and tout Taunting us with 9-11 imagery isn't going to help the cause. Trump stated, if Iran wants to fight, that will be the official end of Iran. Never threaten the United States. And I, I, honestly, I honestly believe Trump in this one. I, um, I did not think that he would ever push us into any type of war. Or I know a lot of people leading up to his, his victory thought that, you know, if we gave someone like him the... The, the codes to the missiles that he was just going to come in here and go batshit crazy. The reality is, and this goes for either side, any any party of any 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 affiliation for any president. 
You know, the first few days you get to read those books that detail all the shit that they don't tell us. And I think after you read those books, you go, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. If I would have read this, wouldn't have signed up. They get to the JFK assassination. They get to the moon landings. They get to the aliens. They get to Roswell. Area 51. Clinton and Lewinsky. Reagan. I bet you Lyndon B. Johnston, good old LBJ, I bet he wrote the I bet he wrote the N-word in that book a hundred times. Oh, but he was the one that signed the civil rights movement. Oh yeah. He was a racist. He just did that so you guys would vote his party. Congratulations. He's a known racist. I bet when you read that book, you just, you go, oh, fuck. What did I get myself into? So I didn't think that Trump would go berserk with missiles and start shooting at countries. I did think he would have a, a heavy hand in the way he, he, the way he would speak and the jargon that he would use towards countries, and he's, he's lived up to that. I knew that going in. That's just the kind of person he is. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think he's playing. I don't think he's playing at all with Iran. Um, this is a quote from Majority Whip John Thune. They're a legitimate threat that we are concerned about to the American lives, and I think that's why the preparations have been taken. Former CIA Director David Petrosis, I butchered that guy's name, warned Iran on Sunday to be very careful amid rising tensions in the region, quote, because it's going to get worse for them, and if they do something stupid, they'll receive a very serious response. Quote, they're going to have to make a decision. Either they're going to have to really tighten their belt and keep tightening it because it's going to get worse. They're going to they're going to be further screws tightening down in maximum pressure campaign. Yeah. Learn to talk. They're going to be further screws tightening down in the maximum pressure campaign and try to grit their teeth and get to November 2020 in hopes that their desired outcome emerges. Yeah, it's a leading uh, the last thing he the last thing as any president in the last thing you want to do is 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 seem like a pussy in this situation so especially leading into the election i i, I think that's what he's trying to convey and I, I wholeheartedly agree you know he doesn't have a choice but to be heavy-handed and he already does that on a daily basis you know with most people so it, it, this his response is i i think he's not playing At the beginning of this month, we, uh, we sent a carrier strike group and a bomb task force to the Middle East to send a clear and, uh, quote, sorry, to send a, quote, clear and unmistakable message to Iran in response to the numbers, in response to, quote, a number of troubling and escalating indications and warnings. Trump has also designated Iran's elite Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, the IRGC, a terrorist organization. So yeah, this is something that we're going to have to monitor. I think uh, 
I don't know what's going to... He's been very diplomatic. I have to give Trump some credit in that he's been pretty diplomatic, especially with North Korea. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think diplomatic's a good word because I don't think he's actually been that. I think he's just, he's been, he's been, he hasn't flown off the handle. Yeah, and then, and we haven't had any dangerous situations with North Korea outside of their continued, uh, missiles program, but, you know. Talks are ongoing, and, and, and I, I'm just hoping we can avoid any kind of war. It's the last thing we need. And if it is a war from Trump, I, I, it's not going to be. It's not. It's, he's going to go in there and level them, and that's unfortunate because that's how we kill innocent people. So let's hope for the best outcome. I know I have my eyes on it. Oh, let's switch paces. Let's talk about LeBron James and the Lakers. How horrible do the Lakers look right now? How horrible do the Lakers look? First, Magic steps down. No one knows why. Nobody knows. No, he didn't tell anyone. LeBron said, hey, he never, you know, not a phone call would have been great. Hey, LeBron, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, you know, he recruited you there. So I wholeheartedly agree with LeBron. A phone call would have been, um, I think a phone call would have been more than, uh, more than deserved. But this morning, uh, you know, we'll, we'll fast forward. You know, the Lakers, you know, they, Magic steps down. They fire Luke Walton. They have Rob Palenka, ex-agent, with ties to, I think he was Kobe's agent during Kobe's career as the GM. Yeah, Kurt Rambis back there, ex-player, being some type of authority figure. No one really knows why, but Kurt Rambis is a fucking idiot. Just because you're a good player doesn't mean you can actually run a team. And he hasn't been, I don't think he, I don't, I don't I, he's just got the ear of Jeannie Buss, owner of the Lakers. But they fire Luke Walton, and I mean, even I thought this, that the Lakers would just call up Tyron Lue and say, hey, come coach LeBron, you did a decent job of it in Cleveland, let's run it back, you know. You know, a lot of that shit's not a lot of the stuff that happened this season wasn't wasn't magic or even Luke Walton's fault. I think Luke Walton is a fucking phenomenal head coach. I think he's gonna be I mean he got a job the next fucking day. Probably the best thing for him to get out of this stupid, uh, horrific run team. You know, but you know, they 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 leaked the Anthony Davis trade. I'm almost positive that came from LeBron's camp. I'm almost positive that came from Palenka. You know, basically trading their entire starting lineup for Anthony Davis of New Orleans. How does that make the other fucking players feel? Kyle Kuzma's a damn good player. Lonzo Ball? He's an above-average point guard. Now, they're no, they're, neither of them are Anthony Davis. But you're trading away the year entire... You basically 
four of the five starters, the only other one being LeBron, you're going to trade those four for Anthony Davis. You're basically saying, LeBron doesn't want to play with you. LeBron doesn't think you're that great. It's not a good look. They leaked all that information. There was a divide. LeBron was seen sitting on sitting on the bench by himself. You know, he's got some work to do to mend the mend that fence. But, you know, Magic steps down, Luke Walton's fired, and like I thought, they they made a run at Tyron Lue. Now, LeBron, when he came to L.A., he signed a four-year deal. They offered Tyron Lue the job. They offered him a three-year deal, uh, but the inability to pick his own staff. Now, for those of you that don't watch basketball, you should be able to do the math. Hey, come in here, coach LeBron for three years. He's going to leave or retire, and then we're going to have to do a full fucking rebuild and at that point, we'll just get a new head coach, too. I just need you to come in here and fucking babysit him. Cool. Sign me up. Sign me the fuck up. Of course not. If you're going to tell me I'm going to run this fucking team, first off, standard standard NBA coaching contracts are five years. Five years. I have never seen one under that in the last five or ten years. That doesn't mean you're going to make it to the fifth year. But it's a five-year deal. It's a standard. It's a good faith standard. I can't pick my own staff? What are we doing here, Kurt? What are we doing here, Kurt Rambis? Oh, we want Jason Kidd to be on your staff. Well, if you want Jason Kidd so fucking bad, hire him. Tyron Lue turned the job down. Now, this is where most people said, you know, Tyron Lue and LeBron James, they're really close. They're good friends. All LeBron's got to do is make a phone call, and they'll concede, and Tyron Lue will get the job. Well, that didn't happen. That did not happen. Frank Vogel took the job, took the three-year deal. I don't know if he gets to decide his staff or not. What that showed, <clears throat> what that showed is that LeBron and Tyron Lue are not that close. Because if that's the head coach that LeBron wanted, LeBron would have gotten it. Let's be honest here. LeBron will get whatever he wants. And if he really wanted Tyron Lue, all he had to do was pick up the phone. He did not do that. So, for all the journalists, all the ESPN journalists, that Tyron Lue, LeBron James is real close. Yeah, sure. Keep telling yourself that. Keep telling yourself that. Magic Johnson this morning goes on first take, talking with Stephen A. Uh, and uh, Max Kellerman. Shout out Max Kellerman. And he said that when I, Magic referenced the word betrayal a few weeks ago, and they asked him about it, and he said, yeah, I was absolutely referring to Rob Palenka. And the quote from Magic is, I start hearing, Magic, you're not working hard enough. Magic's not in the office. People around the Lakers' office were telling me Rob was saying things. Rob Palenka. And I didn't like those things being said behind my back. And I wasn't in the office enough. That I wasn't in the office enough. So I started getting calls from my friends outside basketball saying those things now were being said to them outside of basketball. Just not in the Lakers' office anymore. If you're, gonna, if you're going to talk betrayal, it's only with Rob. Woo, boy! Now, you're talking to Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson defied all odds. Got AIDS. Beat it, son. No fucking stopping me. Fucking Magic Johnson, baby. 
He is he's an entrepreneur. He was an athlete turned entrepreneur. He owns a stake in the Dodgers. He owns all kinds of shit. He's made a he's made he's a mogul. He's a mogul. And he always says the right things. And for him to come out and just fucking light it up like he just did. That 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 tells you all you need to know what's going on with the Lakers today. They're in fucking shambles. They're in shambles. They're in shambles. And I think uh, I think this hurts LeBron's legacy, and that's where I was going with this. I think this hurts LeBron's legacy. He's a coach killer. Uh, I'll say it. People disagree with me. He's a coach killer. He's in. He's uncoachable. He doesn't want. He wants to do whatever he wants to do. And look, I love LeBron. I think he's a really good person. He was in the spotlight at fucking 16 years of age, ESPN playing his high school basketball games in the NBA at 18. You know, he's had the world in his shoulders for, I don't know, what's he, 30, 35 now for 20-plus years? Nothing but respect. But when it comes to coaching um, and the players around him, I think, I think he's disrespectful, and I, and I, I think this hurts his legacy. I think this hurts his legacy. And I think it showed that 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 people maybe not have they maybe they don't they don't maybe they're, they're they don't have their thumb on the pulse as much as they thought they did. Because people thought that it was gonna be Tyron Lou and trust me, all that LeBron had to do is pick up the phone. That's all he had to do. I think that gets us all caught up. Hmm. Man, I think that gets us caught up. I'm about 55 minutes in. Oh, yeah, the NBA draft lottery. Stay on the NBA real quick. Uh, New York City, all you're bitching about not getting the first pick, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Get a life. Oh... What else do we got? North Carolina Medical uh, North Carolina Middle School host drag queens to teach children about being different. This is from CNN. Taylor Schmidt, an eighth grade teacher at the school, and his colleagues. Shh, nah, Shara Brooks saw the impact bullying and other negative behavior was having on students in their school who identified as LGBTQ. They said students were even leaving the school because of some of their experiences. In December, the pair pitched a school-wide event to help students understand what it means to be different. Um, middle school. That would be 11 to 13 years of age, if I'm accurate. 10 to 13, 11 to 13. Um, I don't know if I'm okay with this. I don't know. I, 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 I honestly, I don't have children. Um, I don't know if I'm okay with this. I, 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 this is tough. You know, we 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 talked about the drag kid, the eleven-year-old drag kid, and I was I'm not okay with that at all. Unequivocally, I'm not okay with that. This I I don't know because the the way they're posing it as a way of 
being diverse and accepting of others and anti-bullying. I believe in all of those things, all of those things, but I'm not sure um, hosting a drag show or having people that partake in that business uh, will change any of the minds of a benevolent or a malevolent, yeah, of a malevolent child. I don't, I don't, I don't know if this helps. It's, an, it's, it. I don't know. Would you allow your kid to sit through that? I don't know. Hit us up in the email or on Instagram. Let me know. I don't know. I'm gonna probably table this one and talk to Oli about it if he's here next week. Let's just drag that over and table that one. This is where it's real good to have Oli because I can always. He sometimes gives me a differing, a differing view, and it helps me conjure a thought. Been using more voodoo lingo, like conjure. Maybe move to New Orleans. Get that witchcraft. Fuck you, Uncle Swole. Oh, let me shit on AOC a little bit. Uh, I don't know if y'all saw this. I gotta get my phone for this one. I gotta get my phone for this one, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is this doesn't really have to do with her anything of her politics. She's just an idiot. Uh, let's type it in. You guys can just uh, sit there and listen to silence while I figure this out. So she posted. She posts a lot of stuff to Instagram Live and. Um, This is her. This is a garbage disposal. I am told this is a garbage disposal. I've never seen a garbage disposal. I never had one in any place I've ever lived. It is terrifying. I don't know what to use it for or what its purpose is. Like food scraps? Like is this environmentally sound i don't know so like if this is environmentally sound uh is a garbage disposal environmentally sound first off you've never seen a garbage disposal and then she got on twitter saying that garbage disposals were not legal in the in new york city uh but that's they were they were legalized in 1997 so it really didn't make any sense also, why weren't they legal, and why did it take till 1997? Don't know. New York's stupid. It's so stupid. Uh, but yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's an Instagram live, or it's an Instagram story of her pointing at it, going, I don't know what the fuck this is. Food scraps, environmentally sound. Yeah, it just breaks stuff up so that you don't have to flush an entire thing down the drain, so you don't clog a drain, you stupid idiot. And then to post this on Instagram, you are a fucking house of representative. You are a representative of this country. And you do something like that. It's too easy. It's too goddamn easy sometimes. Idiot. They're also coming out... uh, There's a comic book company that's making a comic book of her, and I guess they're posing her as 
Wonder Woman. DC sent a cease and desist real quick. Pump the brakes. That ain't Wonder Woman. So. They put the big old kibosh on that one. Shout out DC Comics. I'm proud of you. But yeah, everybody go turn their garbage disposal on and ponder for a second whether this is environmentally safe and environmentally efficient. Yep. Ponder it for a second and then get back to me. Oh, let's let's close this out with one last with one last I guess we'll just close this episode out with uh <sighs> Game of Thrones. So spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't seen the series finale or even the you know, the seventh season or whatever the fuck season they're on. Uh stop listening. Or fast forward, please. I don't want to ruin anything for you. Um, but once again, spoiler alert, I'm going to talk about some Game of Thrones. Alright, you fucks, you've been warned. Alright, so I will come out and say it outright. I thought the entire last season of Game of Thrones was absolute and utter garbage. I thought it was terrible. And it's really disappointing. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. HBO has this track record of doing these funky kind of endings to shows. Um, the Sopranos comes to mind with their weird ending, but that was kind of left open to potentially do a movie. You know, game James, game, James Gandolfini just happened to pass R.I.P., um, but it looks like they are going to do some type of prequel with his son playing him, which which I think would be very cool. But, you know, they, they have this track record of kind of doing funky endings. But this whole season, uh, I think, was, was, was off. And this was the first season where they didn't have the books to blueprint what they should do, or what they could do, I guess I should say. I know R.R. R. Martin, George R.R. R. Martin, gave them uh, ideas that he has for the current book that he's writing, but since he's Sahabit, it takes him 10 years to write a book. So a lot of this was just the writers coming up with where this story should go and how it should end. And I think they got it utterly wrong. And I think it showed in the way they filmed it. And I wish I wish Oli was here because he could comment on some of this, even though he's not a Game of Thrones person. He's watched a couple episodes of this season with me. They're relying more on facial expressions and scenery and aesthetics versus dialogue. And I think I think that's just because they don't have much dialogue to go on. And, and maybe that was an artistic choice. Maybe that was just a directive choice. Maybe it has nothing to do with the fact that they don't have anything. You know, I'm not I'm not trying to I'm not trying to shit on the writers. That's that that's the they were given the impossible task of finishing out Game of Thrones without without you know, knowledge of where his actual books are going to go. It's impossible to it's impossible to please everyone. So I don't envy them. Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to knock them, but I just I I think you know. I think the showrunners and and the directors and 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 the creators just they I think they I think the direction they chose I think they just got it wrong. I think they tried to swerve us with Brand the Broken uh, becoming the king of the uh, the six kingdoms. Uh, I don't think that was a swerve. I think it's just a terrible choice. Did I see that one coming? No, I didn't. Sure, fine. It was a swerve. I take it back. I take it back. Expunge it. It was a swerve. But it wasn't the right one. 
So, for the, you know, let's, let's just break it down. Let's just, let's just go back to episode four. You know, we have the, the big battle between the White Walkers. And they kill them and ends up, you know, the, the, the Walker King is standing uh, over Bran, just staring at him. Next thing you know, Arya runs up, sticks a dagger in his heart, and then they all the soldiers end up subsequently dying once he dies, which was cool. That was a cool. I, I was I thought that was a fair and fun ending. No issues, you know. But then we got into the following week, and we got Missandre being beheaded, Cersei showing that she's a tyrant. Danny's upset. Now she's going to just ransack King's Landing. And uh, she burns up in episode six. It starts out, and Drogon burns up the Iron Fleet. Then they get to the city, and they're at a stalemate for a quick second. And then the bells go off, and the city surrenders. And this is where Danny has a choice of showing empathy and kind of just becoming the queen. Or she can be the tyrant that some think that she was, much like Varys thought. And burn the whole city down, and she decides to burn the entire city down. And I'm I'm not upset with that choice. Not upset with that choice. I thought I don't I don't I don't think she should have done that. I don't think that that's the way the way it should have gone. But it sets up her fate. So I knew going in to this last episode that she was going to at some point die. There was no there was no other way of shaking it. She was going to die. And in the midst of her burning down the city right before. You know, the battle of King's Landing, Tyrion commits treason and lets Jamie Lannister out to go save Cersei, try to get her to safety, because I think Tyrion secretly in his mind knew there's a good chance she's going to burn this whole fucker down. Maybe Varys is right. And that's what happened. And um, in the midst of burning the city down as Jamie's trying to save Cersei, you know, the villain of all villains for this show, I mean, it was it was King Joffrey and then Cersei's. And, King Joffrey was like, whoa, he was melted in gold, I think is how he died. I think if I remember that correct, he died like that. So I was I was expecting just the most epic death for Cersei. And all we get is her and Jamie Lannister, her fucking kayfabe brother, hugging in the in the tombs underground, and the roof falls on them. It's a bitch. Second worst villain on this show, or best, and if you look at it, the the you know who did it the best. Second best villain on the show, and the roof falls off. The roof falls on you. It's a bitch move. It's a bitch way to kill her off. I was very disappointed in that. And also, when he was hugging her, he didn't have his uh, he didn't have his fake hand on. So that was a flub. And then we had the Starbucks flub earlier in the season with with Danny having a Starbucks cup on the table. So there's a lot of flubs this this season. So, you know, Jamie and uh, Cersei die. Tyrion commits the treason by letting him out. Episode kicks off. The last final episode kicks off with him in prison and him trying to tell Jon that, hey, look, Danny, I know you love her, but you're the rightful heir to the throne. We all know it. We believe in you. You, you good purse. You zombie. You came back from the dead. You're really short, but I'm an imp, so it doesn't matter. Tries to warn him. Tries to tell him that Danny's a shitty person. He says, "I love my queen, and I, uh, you know, something like that. I, I, I stand by her." And he goes and 
attempts to reason with Danny. Attempts to reason to, to let Tyrion go. Or not let him go, but forgive him. Show that you can forgive. It's important. You just burned a whole city. Mm set. I'm a mm set. I'm a little mm set. And she basically doubles down and says she's going to burn down all the kingdoms to free all the people. But what she doesn't realize is she's killing innocent people in the process. And that leads to them embracing and kissing. God, Amelia Clark is such a dime piece. She's my number one right now. Amelia Clark, if you happen to listen to this, call me. Mm, listening. Mm, take care of you. Um, dying piece. Uh, but he sticks her knife in her and she dies. Uh, an epic, epic scene with Drogon where he's sad and upset and he melts the Iron Throne. That was the best scene of the whole, the whole episode right there in five seconds. He burns the Iron Throne but doesn't kill John. He shows restraint. I mean, there was more acting in Drogon than there was in the entire episode out of, or I'm sorry, the entire season out of Bran. You got outacted by a mechanical bull. You got outacted by CGI. You got outacted by Nsibian. And then Drogon picks up her body and flies away. And then we fast, then we, of course, who cares what happens in the meantime? Then we just, we just fast forward and John and Tyrion are both in jail and the Unsullied have taken over King's Landing or what's left of it. And now we're left with all of the heads of all the kingdoms trying to decide who should be the actual king. Well, this is where I thought, this is how I thought it was going to play out. John's upset that she burnt the city and killed innocent people. John kills Danny. The dragon already let him fly on him, so because they know he's half Targaryen, he would just, I mean, the dragon would obviously be sad, but he would find solace in John. John then becomes, you know, this Unsullied are mad, but John's got a dragon. They're not going to do shit. John becomes king. If John doesn't become king, I think then it needed to go to maybe Sansa. Or if you really want a good swerve, it circles back to Tyrion. That would have been a swerve. But no, John kills Danny, he ends up in fucking prison. And then they were left with all the heads of the houses to decide who should be king. And they asked Tyrion for his input, and Tyrion says it needs to go to someone who harbors all of our stories. And he says that it should go to Bran. And everybody starts saying A, A, and Sansa. Sansa with the with one of, one of. Probably the second best quote of this of the of the uh of the episode basically basically just says Bran's dick don't work, he can't have kids, and Tyrion to that says that's the point is that we constantly elect these these kings. To be fair, you wanted to be, you know, the king of the people. Samwell had a great, great little dialogue there, uh, Samuel Tully, where he basically pitches democracy to let the people decide who should be king, and it's just, it's just, it falls on deaf ears, and they just laugh him out of the building, which is fantastic. Great little, great little scene. Um, but they end up deciding on Bran. Bran becomes the king of the six kingdoms, with Sansa being 
Queen of the North, the Independent Kingdom. And they barter with the Unsullied, and they get they essentially agree not to kill John, but to send him to the Night's Watch. And I have a real issue with that. The whole, the whole, the whole, the whole story arc of this show, the underlining story arc is, is who is Jon Snow? Who is his father? Who is his mother? You know, we find out, I mean, every, we've all thought it. We've all thought it. He's a Targaryen. He's a Targaryen. Him and Danny's commit a little incest. It's pretty sexy. And I think incest is disgusting. But, you know, it's Amelia Clark. So I thought when he killed her that he would just naturally become the, the king. And it didn't happen that way. He ends up getting sent back to the Night Watch, the Night's Watch. Essentially what you just essentially what the writers and the showrunners say is his lineage his lineage that we've that we've gone through for eight seasons now didn't really mean anything. It didn't mean dick. Cool. And Sansa playing such a small part in the takeover of King's Landing, like it just I don't know. It it was a very, very under underwhelming you know, we don't get any resolution to Sansa and Tyrion still kind of being legally married. Essentially, legally married. I mean, I, I, I liked, I liked how they turned Danny into this ferocious tyrant. I mean, that was a that was a good. Uh, that was the way to. That was the perfect way to write her. I think. But. The outcome wasn't, and I mean, they turned her into essentially what uh, they they turned her into the C.S. Lewis is C.S. Lewis is the author of the book of the Narnia collection, whatever the fuck those books were called. They turned her into his version of the worst kind of tyrant, which uh, he states of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely excised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It would be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His cupidity may at some point be satiated. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. They may be more likely to go to heaven, yet at the same time likelier to make hell on earth. And I I I think that's where they got the idea for how her character ends. Because she tells John, you know, I, I, I know, I know what's for the best. I know what's good. I think was the line she used. Uh, I think it was just a shitty ending, and it was very disappointing. It's one of the one of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, Twitter was 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 back and forth. Uh, some tweets that I that I that I marked to read out were Rachel Fisher, Sansa in front of absolutely everyone. Brand's dick doesn't work. Great, great tweet. Gato tweeted. Drogon received best character development in the finale, exercising judgment when experiencing anger and grief, destroying the symbol of power and the very source of evil, and choosing to mourn in solitude. Now, brotherless and motherless, great. He, he did, he, his character was developed in a matter of moments. It was wonderful. Uh, ben Shapiro, shout out Ben. What if Bran was actually the most evil person on the show? He uses the threat of the Night King to knock off a couple of Danny's dragons, then randomly spills John's lineage, lineage just in time to prevent a happy ending and particip- and precipitate Danny going nuts and John killing her. Boom, King. 
That's a very plausible, plausible, plausible outcome. I did not think of it that way. Um, I read these when I was half asleep, so I don't actually remember reading that one. But hell yeah, that is a that's that could be. Uh, Stephen Miller, Games of Thrones ends with Game of Thrones ends with Jon Snow deporting immigrants. That is that is exactly how it ends. That's classic. That's great. And then Ben Shapiro again uh, question was John's lineage of any importance? No, it, it wasn't. Unfortunately. Um, yeah, I think I think the only way to end it that I would have been satisfied was to end it with John being king, and it just it didn't go that way, and it went way to the it went way the opposite. Um, like I said, a swerve a swerve would have been Sansa, a swerve would have been Tyrion, not not Bran. Bran's done nothing all season, and I don't know. But I I I, I will say Tyrion uh, my wasn't always my favorite character on the show. Turned to be my favorite character and he he had one line last night that I realized he says quite often I've heard it a couple not quite often I've heard it a couple times and it's a joke he tries to say and it was my line of the night because at the point of when he says it and I don't have I don't have the clip from last night but I got the clips from saying it uh prior and uh it is just classic so let's see if I can cue it up here without getting uh without uh taking five minutes here we go I close my eyes. I can still see her tits bouncing. When I was ten, I stuffed my uncle's boots with goat shit. When confronted with my crime, I blamed a squire. Poor boy was flogged and I escaped justice. When I was twelve, I milked my eel into a pot of turtle stew. I flogged the one-eyed snake. I skinned my sausage. I made the bald man cry into the turtle stew, which I do believe my sister ate. At least I hope she did. I once brought a jackass and a honeycomb into a broth of... I once brought a jackass and a honeycomb into a brothel. Kudos to whoever wrote that line. So that was a clip from season one when he is standing in front of uh, Lisa Aaron and Caitlin Stark. And he's on trial for uh, the supposed his supposed role in the murder of Bran. And uh, oh God, he said it again last night while sitting at the hands table. Uh, I once brought a a jackass and a honeycomb into a brothel. Uh, he said it again in season six when talking to Missandre and uh, and the Unsullied King. You lied to us. I make joke. <laughs> More jokes. I once walked into a brothel with a honeycomb and a jackass. The madam says... So that's the reoccurring joke as he tries to tell it, but it's always interrupted. It's fantastic. It's a great line. One of the one of the classic lines of the show. Kudos to anybody that watches the show religiously that picked up on that. That's awesome. Uh Missandra, uh dying peace. God, she's so cute. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a really, really I was really disappointed. Um, in all seriousness, I was super disappointed. I I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 and when I, when, when I first read that it was going to be six episodes and that was it, I kind of figured it wasn't going to be that great. Um, and I know it's, like I said, I know it's a large undertaking, but 
man, I think they uh, they definitely swung and missed on almost every episode this season. Like I said, there were some bright points, but when your episode is an hour and 30 minutes long, and I could probably remember about five or seven of it that I thought was really, really good, that's, that's no good. That's no good. But, yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll say this, I, I, I don't, I, I have to, it was an incredible journey. I might be real critical today, but it was an incredible journey, and it is one of the greatest shows of all time. And uh, everybody that worked on that show, even in the smallest of parts, they should be proud of themselves. So, yeah. Let's call it a day. I'm tired. My mouth is dry. Going to keep drinking water if I have to talk anymore. You know, let's drink some water right now. Be disrespectful. ASMR. But, yeah, hopefully Oli will be back next week. If not, it'll just be my stupid voice again. Um... If you have any thoughts on Game of Thrones or anything we went over today, man, just hit us up on an email. That's kind of worse. Gmail.com. Like us, dislike us on uh, all those applications. I don't care either way. I like yous. I like yous. How do we end this? How do we end this? Oh, shit. And one last thing. Uh, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Let's bring this baby all the way back around. Let's bring it back to a circle. It's a month designed to bring awareness to mental health. It's very simple. We're trying to bridge the gap between mental health and the stigma that is mental health. The embarrassment that comes with admitting that you suffer from any kind of mental health issue. If you know of somebody that struggles, or you know that someone that might be struggling, just reach out. It's real simple. It's real simple. It's effective, and it helps. And don't fucking send a text message. Pick up the phone and call them. Or better yet, get the keys in your hand, Get in that car and go see them. Everybody has bad days. Do your part and let's help bring into this damn stigma. All right, guys? Take care of one another and be nice to one another.